Taiwan reported 11 local cases of COVID on Friday, all in connection with the airport cluster in Taoyuan. Eight cases can be traced back to a bank that was visited by an infected case. And the youngest cases are one and three years old. Let's hear from the CECC. So far, it's looking likely that the virus went from the bank to a restaurant. The possibility of that is relatively high. The parents of the diagnosed children have tested negative. They don't have symptoms yet, as there is an incubation period. No additional employees of Union Bank have tested positive, but three of their family members have been diagnosed. The three other cases announced on Friday were family members of infected cases. One of them is a restaurant cook who works in Taoyuan. The restaurant will be closed until Sunday for disinfection. In addition to the 11 local cases, there were 57 imported cases reported on Friday as holiday air traffic reached its peak. 4,200 passengers entered the nation. That's the most expected in a single day ahead of Spring Festival. Taoyuan International Airport deployed extra staff to speed up COVID testing for the arrivals. According to airport data, about 7.6 percent of long-haul passengers have tested positive for COVID since Tuesday. They've got passports, entry papers and bags, big and small. Inbound passengers sit in the lounge wearing face masks, gloves, goggles and protective clothing to prevent infection. They wait for their number to be called to be notified of their test results. Between Tuesday and Friday morning, 1,837 incoming passengers on long-haul flights were tested for COVID. 139 of those tests came back positive for a rate of 7.6 percent. On Friday, air traffic peaked at 4,200 passengers on both long- and short-haul flights. At least 3,900 more arrivals are expected on Saturday. The airport has added testing staff to speed up passenger processing. But with so many arrivals having to wait for their test results, there are fears that the airport could become a site of transmission. The CECC moved to allay the concerns. Actually, because the airport is very large and a lot of space is left for passenger flow, even when arrivals from different flights are together, crowding is not a major concern. To lower infection risk, a volunteer group of nurses conducted a thorough review of the immigration process. When it comes to the airport's internal management, we will continue to work with the team of nurses. They will continue to conduct airport inspections and provide recommendations. To curb its COVID cluster, the airport conducted a third round of testing on its entire workforce. This time, all 1,198 staff tested negative. The airport also ran PCR tests on more than 6,000 office staff as part of efforts to guard Taiwan's borders. Taipei has turned an activity center into an extra-secure quarantine hotel for imported COVID cases. Starting Saturday, the Jiantan Youth Activity Center in Shilin District will become a hotel that's staffed by medical professionals. It will be used by international arrivals who test positive for COVID and have only mild or no symptoms. Let's hear from the CECC. These next two days, we will see a large number of arrivals with COVID. 
Because the cases have all been mild so far, we have decided that starting tomorrow, we will separate those testing positive into groups. They will be separated into two groups at the airport. One to be sent to hospitals, to a roster of designated hospitals. The other group will be sent to fortify quarantine hotels or a centralized quarantine facility. Those facilities will also have nurses and caretakers. If symptoms appear, people in the facilities can receive treatment over video conference or be transferred to hospital. We have established a dedicated quarantine hotel which will be used starting tomorrow. We are using the Jintan Youth Activity Center for that. In principle, those aged 20 to 40 who have no symptoms will be sent there. We will do our best to send those 65 and older to hospital directly. The CECC says this fortified quarantine hotel in Taipei will be followed by others. New Taipei is preparing such hotels of its own. The CECC hopes this new arrangement will lessen the burden on hospitals. As COVID cases spread in Taiwan and the Omicron variant proliferates abroad, COVID safety is a top priority. The U.S. CDC has indicated that the public might want to wear medical-grade N95 masks in daily life. We spoke to a Taiwanese doctor and pulmonary expert to get the lowdown in a Taiwanese context. With Omicron sweeping the globe, reports suggest the U.S. CDC may advise citizens to upgrade their face masks. The pandemic is heating up in Taiwan, too. Many are concerned about the more highly transmissible variant. For most people, wearing an N95 mask for a long time is extremely uncomfortable. Wear two masks. The inner layer must be a medical mask. The outer layer must be a cloth mask. That will stop 96.4% of viruses spread by aerosol transmission. Pulmonary and critical care specialist Dr. Huang Shen says he thinks that N95 masks in Taiwan should still be reserved for medical workers. But by taking some extra steps, the average citizen can improve the effectiveness of a normal mask. Wearing two different types of masks layered upon one another, first medical, then cloth, is his suggestion. It will create a tighter seal, but also last longer than an N95 mask. But the medical mask must be the inner layer, he warns, or it won't work. You can't use two of the same type of mask. That will have no effect on the tightness of the seal. It will leak air in the same places. Dr. Huang warns that people with suppressed immune systems or cardiovascular diseases should not wear multiple masks. Instead, think about following this U.S. CDC demo for how to tie your mask. Make a knot in each ear loop. By tying the strings in a knot, you pull the mask closer to your face. Or you can use a frame like this one to fix the mask closer to your face. And then the green foam goes above uh, on the top side of the mask. Both these methods are approved by the U.S. CDC, which says they reduce aerosol transmission. If you don't have a medical mask available, Taiwanese manufacturers have now produced a 3D mask with the same specs of N95. But unlike an N95, it can be folded up and then opened with a simple wave, reducing the need to touch its surface. It's the same grade as an N95 or an FFP2 and is extremely close-fitting. It covers your whole face from below your eye to your cheeks and chin. But no matter what type of mask you opt for, the key is to get it to fit as close to your face as you can. Keeping it on as much as possible is the number one way to improve your COVID precautions. 
Groundbreaking has begun for a new commercial complex in Taipei that will house a museum and a hotel. The project is located in Zhongzheng District at the site of the old Taipei City Council building. After the building was demolished in 2016, the city government tried to auction off development rights to the site. It failed five times before finally securing a buyer. Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe attended the groundbreaking ceremony on Friday and announced that construction on the Taipei Twin Towers project will also start this year. He said the projects would turn the city's west side into the Manhattan of Taipei. Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe attended a groundbreaking ceremony at the site of the old Taipei City Council building. He said he hoped the project would create a new landmark, a new gateway to West Taipei. There are several major construction projects right now. One is at the old city council. Construction work on the Taipei Twin Towers will likely begin this year because most of it's already sorted. Only the E1 and E2 investment cases remain. There's also the post office project. There's a BOT case behind that. After that, there's the Xining Public Housing Project, which has been finalized. In the future, it will look a lot like Manhattan, with all the high-rise buildings in the skyline. The old council building was built at the intersection of Zhongxiao East Road and Zhongshan North Road, where an examination hall once stood. When the city council relocated to Xini, its former building fell into disuse and was demolished in 2016. The city tried to auction off development rights to the land, but the process went through twists and turns, two mayors and five failed auctions. The city had to cut its reserve price from 6 billion NT to 2.87 billion NT before securing a developer. Once the project is completed, 40% of the floor space will be used for cultural tourism. In particular, 20% of that space will be a Taipei City Museum. The museum will showcase Taipei's history and our vision for the future. This development project is expected to attract private investment of about 13.6 billion NT. There will be a 20-story commercial building and another building with a museum dedicated to the capital city and its history. With Lunar New Year right around the corner, Museum 207 has launched an exhibition introducing the history of tigers. The Year of the Tiger exhibition features historical objects related to the big cat, including a rare children's tiger hat made by a maid at the end of the 19th century. Our very own Stephanie Yang takes us in for a look. Taiwanese paper cut artist Li Shenxing explains how to cut a paper tiger. Tiger symbolizes power and fearlessness. It represents good luck, and its image can be seen across the country ahead of the Lunar New Year. The word tiger has a homonym that is the word for blessing. So for the year of the tiger, people are writing the word blessing or cutting out the word for tiger to decorate their home. She also demonstrates how to cut the Chinese character for spring. If you're cutting a three-dimensional spring character, you must first fold the origami paper very flat. Next, because about 80% of the paper is folded in half, you must be a little careful when cutting it. Then the next thing to pay attention to is making the horizontal and straight cuts very complete. Then remember that when cutting, make sure there is a breakpoint, otherwise it will be separated. Next, unfold the three-dimensional character. It can be placed on the seat or hung up with a string. 
Dihua Streets Museum 207 has launched a special exhibition to introduce the history and culture of tigers. The exhibition features historical objects related to tigers, including a children's tiger hat made by a maid at the end of the 19th century. There's also a ceramic tiger created by potter Li Qingbiao and tiger papercut works by the late papercut master Li Huanzhang and many other objects. In the early days, tigers could still be hunted. Our exhibition showcases tiger bone wine. This tiger bone wine is an early medicinal wine. As for the tiger clothing and tiger hat, they are delicate pieces of traditional embroidery art made in the 19th century. The Year of the Tiger exhibition opened on January 12th and will run at Museum 207 till May 8th. Throughout the exhibition, there will also be lectures about tiger glove puppets and interesting facts about tigers. FTV News reporter Stephanie Yang, Zhong Shuhui in Taipei. Yilan County Commissioner Lin Zimiao was released without bail on Friday after being questioned in a corruption probe. She is one of 30 people questioned as part of the investigation. Another was Luodong Township head Cho, Wu Chou-ling, who was also released without bail. Others include Yilan's acting director of economic affairs and its agriculture director, who are being held incommunicado. Prosecutors say they're investigating several corruption cases in Luodong Township. One is a land tax exemption case, and another is connected to an urban renewal project. In a national first, the Navy commissioned two mine-laying squadrons on Friday. The new squadrons will make use of domestically built ships equipped with a high-speed automated mine-laying system powered by GPS technology. Mine laying is a core component of Taiwan's asymmetric defense strategy. In the event of a conflict, well-laid mines can help prevent enemy ships from coming ashore. Two rapid mine laying squadrons were commissioned on Friday. President Tsai Ing-wen boarded one squadron's ship for inspection. These are the first mine lane squadrons formed in the history of the ROC Navy. I am very pleased to witness this important moment, and I believe that with the addition of this squadron, the Navy's ability to defend the nation's waters will be strengthened. The formation of these squadrons is a testament to the efforts of our domestic defense industry. It shows the world our resolve in defending our nation. The military spent 900 million NT to build four high-speed mine layers, which are equipped with an automatic mine laying system developed by the National Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology. The system uses GPS tracking to lay mines quickly and prevent enemy ships from coming ashore. In the past, marine mine laying operations were carried out manually by naval officers and soldiers on landing craft. Now they can be conducted using mine layers built by Longda Shipbuilding. They are equipped with an NCSIST-developed automatic mine laying system and are more resistant to stormy seas. They will help our brothers and sisters in arms carry out their mission more quickly and accurately. Tsai also expressed concern over service members' health, urging them to exercise caution against COVID. The weather has been volatile and we are also facing the pandemic. I urge everyone to stay warm and follow pandemic measures to help protect the nation. Our brothers and sisters in the armed forces hold fast to their posts and complete every mission they are given. I believe Taiwanese are grateful for their efforts. As the commander-in-chief, I will also provide the military with my utmost support. Four high-speed mine layers were handed over to the military last month. Two of them entered service on Friday. 
With the pandemic shutting Taiwan off from the world, many people who might otherwise go traveling are looking for new places to spend their energy. For some middle-aged and retired folks, that means fulfilling long mothballed ambitions. We made a trip to a motorcycle school in New Taipei that's had a windfall of older students. Lots of middle-aged people who never had time to learn before are now determined to get in the saddle. Changing gears while hitting the accelerator, Mr. Liao works in delivery. Now 46, he's just acquired a new motorcycle for a cool 500,000 NT. On his days off, he goes to riding school. He can't wait to get his license and take to the open road. It'll be more convenient to go out and have fun, and there will be less traffic too. Mr. Lai retired last year. Almost 60, the Taoyuan native also comes to this motorcycle class in Banqiao District, New Taipei. He's dreaming of a round-the-island tour. I've always wanted to ride a motorcycle all around the island. I saw people riding motorcycles when I was young, and it seems so cool. The pandemic and Taiwan's closed borders made many people slow down and rethink their lives. That's led lots of middle-aged folks to renew their passion for youthful dreams like bikes. This motorcycle school has a 50% uptick in enrollments, with lots more students in their 50s and 60s. In December, they bought new bikes to cater to that demographic. The seat height is about 8 centimeters lower than the typical seat height. The first test is riding round a circle. Then you must ride along a beam for more than 7 seconds. Finally, there's changing gears and swerving. Students practice all these moves over and over again. When they fall, they get up and start over. We had a gentleman over 70 years old come to our class and get his license. He said he wasn't planning to go out on his bike. He just wanted to get the license, which was something he'd wanted to achieve his whole life. Lots of these students have reached a point in life when they have more money and free time than they had in their youth. It's an unexpected windfall for motorcycle schools, who never thought their student body would shift this way. The pandemic exerts its strange devices once again. Turning now to the weather. We are in store for a mild weekend, but bundle up for another wintry week after that. The Central Weather Bureau says the cold air mass that's hanging over Taiwan will weaken starting Saturday. Most parts of the island can look forward to sunny skies and balmy weather. But keep those wintry coats handy because another cold front is due to sweep in on Monday. It's a chilly Friday morning, and locals are bundled up in down jackets and scarves. A continental cold air mass combined with the effects of radiative cooling brought this week's lowest temperatures in the early morning. In low-lying parts of Nantou County, temperatures dipped to 7 degrees Celsius. But the cold air mass will weaken over the weekend, bringing the mercury back up. On Saturday and Sunday, that strong continental cold air mass will weaken. On Saturday, we will see the greatest reduction in atmospheric moisture. Only the eastern half of Taiwan and the mountains around Taipei are likely to see occasional rainfall. The weather elsewhere should remain stable. But warm weather is expected only for the weekend, as another front is expected to pass through on Monday. Taiwan can expect cold, wet weather next week, as the front combines with northeasterly winds and moisture from southern China. In particular, the northern and eastern parts of the island will turn damp and chilly, with lows dipping to 14 degrees. Central and southern Taiwan will see temperatures between 12 and 20 degrees. Atmospheric moisture will be highest Tuesday and Wednesday, when the air will feel particularly chilly. 
The weather in northern Taiwan will feel noticeably cooler, and by Tuesday it will be cloudier with temperatures dropping throughout the country. After Monday, we will be impacted by northeasterly winds, and the weather will turn slightly cooler. The chance of rainfall in the upper and eastern halves of Taiwan will increase. Head out on the weekend and enjoy the warm weather while it lasts. By Monday, it will be time to bundle up again. The coast of Yingling is a place where farmers and fishermen alike produce food for Taiwan. In the current cold snap, the area has seen temperatures dip below 10 degrees. That can be dangerous for fish and harm plant crops. We paid a visit to local producers to see how they're protecting their harvest from the ravages of winter. It's a freezing cold day and fish farmers are up at dawn to tend to their ponds. They pipe water from under the ground into the ponds. It's warmer than seawater and helps regulate the temperature for the fish. With this cold snap, the coastland is colder than ever. Milkfish are not amenable to cold weather and are vulnerable to freeze to death. The fish ponds are quite shallow and so is the water. When it's shallow, if the temperature drops, it will easily reach the pond where the milkfish can't stand the cold. Crops as well as fish are susceptible to the cold. This farmer swiftly harvests ripe green peppers. They're quickly cosmetically damaged by a cold wind, she says, and that will make them harder to sell. Covering them with this prevents them from getting frozen. They get damaged by the wind, which is bad. The price will drop. You cover them like this. She showed us how to wrap up a row of peppers with these transparent roofs, or cover them with straw, both of which protect against wind and cold. If they're not covered, they won't grow big, and they'll grow in a messy shape and get frost marks, that's all. Both fishermen and farmers are deeply impacted by the cold snap. While most of us are huddled up indoors to keep warm, they're out in the elements working to keep their harvests safe.